everybody, and welcome to the MPL Victoria pod here on FNR Football Nation Radio. Nick Tabano and Lockie Flanagan. It's the off-season edition. I mean, there's no games to review It is. Now, I thought you so... referred to it as the, the show must go on edition. Yeah, well, it is. It technically yeah. is. The show must go on. Obviously, we're into the well, off-season. Well, it must go on because so... we want it to go on. Like, we're not ready to give up on, on the no. NPL Victoria just no, yet. But with, with good reason today, Nick. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And we'll get straight into it today because we're joined by a very, very special guest. And we're uh, joined here today on Zoom by the new head coach of Melbourne Knights, Ben Khan, who's... Uh, Lended us some of his time to have a quick chat today. Ben, thank you uh, for, for joining us. No, pleasure to be with you, gents. Thank you for having me. Well, Ben, I guess take us through it all. I mean, you know, congratulations on landing the gig, but tell us a little bit about how it all came to be and uh, what was behind, I guess, the decision-making to head down south. Uh, look, good question. Um, look, Pave and I have been in touch, um, you know, for a long time. And I think, as he said, he's, you know, he's followed my career. I've followed Knight's trajectory um and look i've been at olympic for five years and five years in football is a long time and uh <laughs> it was time for me to have a change personally um you know thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed my time and, and reflect on it very well but it was um you know it was going to be difficult for me after you know after a fifth grand final to um to get up and go again so uh, i was looking for a change Ave and i had been in touch and uh, he flew up to Queensland, um, and uh, and I flew down there a couple of times, and and here we are. So, look, it's a project. It's um, it's not lost on me uh, the challenge ahead of me. Um, you know, I I, I know the uh, I know the size of the club, but I know I know it's underachieved in recent years, and um, I think part of the reason it really really appealed to me was. Um, you know, the chance to bring a club with such history back, um, you know, to the top of Australian football. It almost feels like, a, obviously, Knights are of a, a, a different stature, but to go back to your time at Olympic, they were a team that had missed out on finals and you got them to, you know, back up to the top, you got them into consecutive grand finals. Is that something that sort of excites you, the chance to not exactly replicate that, but, you know, take those sort of similar steps? Does the fact that you know what it takes to to bring a club back up to the top sort of help you to, to jump into a role like this? Absolutely. I think there's um, there's quite a lot of similarities between the two jobs. I think that the um, for, for me, I like to work with, with connection to clubs that have passion and have people that believe in the club and that care, care about the club. And you can tell when you, when you go there, you know, it's not just the people in the stands, but it's the people working behind the scenes care immensely about the club and um, Olympics the same, you know. We I, I don't know how much of the um, the five years you were able to see, but you know we had an amazing community support and and um, you know nights having having been around you know that sort of mid table side for a few years, it would be um, yeah it really excites me and it would be really special to you know to to pack Summer Street again and and have have um, people that care about the club seeing nights competing at the top. Hey, and I mean, how big of a job is it in terms of getting Knights back up to, you know, their former glory? Obviously, the last, you know, six, seven, eight years, they've really struggled. Uh, I mean, they haven't played finals in, in quite some time. It's a very competitive NPL Victoria. I mean, with your chats with Pave, your chats with, I guess, the other technical staff, what? how big is this job? Do you feel like that they're a few players away from, you know, potentially competing again? Are you confident with the squad that I guess is already there? What what are you looking to impart? I guess once you get started in a few weeks or whatever that might be. I think the current squad's stronger than it's given credit for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there are some very 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 good footballers in there. Um, I think it's you know it's um, 
I think it's it's not a secret that it needs you know probably three or four top players to come in and and uh, you know and help help bring the team back in line with uh, with some of the clubs that have done really well in recent years. Um, uh, how tough is the job? I'll let you know in a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, well, Ben, um, I haven't watched look every single game of that that five season stretch you're referring to, but. Because of work, I have watched a, a fair bit of, of this season and the football that you've played. And across the stretch, you, the, your Olympic side has played a really uh, attractive, uh, possessive brand of football that I know a lot of people have been waxing lyrical about inside Queensland, outside of Queensland. Is that a, a style that you, you plan to, to carry into to this job at Knights? Because it's possibly a style that traditionally Knights haven't been as familiar with playing. Is that something you want to bring in a, a sort of new age for the Melbourne Knights? Absolutely. I think that, you know, uh, while, you know, part of the appeal is, you know, of Melbourne Knights is their history and what they've, what, you know, what you associate with Melbourne Knights in the past. But I think it's important to everybody involved with the club to to take the club forward and into the future now and, and create a new chapter and create, you know, Melbourne Knights of the future. So um, it's, it's um, how we play is, is absolutely um you know means a lot to me I, I I don't think it's really in me to play in any other way I've spent so long working towards playing this way having said that the league is physical and it's a lot more direct and it's going to be part of my job to make sure that I can adapt and make sure that the team's intelligent enough and we recruit well enough that we can deal with with teams that want to play in a different way and you know, I think I think having been in Queensland and especially this year more than any other, the pitches have been really poor. Um, with the flooding we had, um, really none of the playing surfaces have, have recovered. So, being able to adapt and and uh, and, and find our way, uh, find what works to to play the way we want to play, but make sure we compete in the league is really important. You sort of touched on it uh, a little bit there when referring to the NPL Victoria, but as we as we know, uh, the the path from Queensland down. Down south to the NPL Vic is a path that's that's fairly well trodden. I'm curious to to know or, or have you expand a, a little bit more on how you you view the the league and the style of the league because I, I remember speaking to um, the then Brisbane City head coach in, in in Matt Smith about the comparisons and he said that he saw NPL Queensland as maybe being a bit more technical while sort of as you said Victoria was a bit more physical a bit more transitionally reliant. I mean, how do you see them comparing and contrasting and how will that factor into the job you're going to do here? I think MPL Victoria is a slightly older league. I think if you go if you go and look at the average ages across the squads, I think there's probably an extra three or four years in the Victorian clubs. I think Queensland, especially recent couple of years, has been quite a young comp. Um, I don't know if I'd say if it's technically better or not. You know, I think a lot of Queensland's technically best players are playing in Victoria, um, but I do think that there's. Um, a different maturity to the league in Victoria and a different um, physicality and competitiveness. And there's certainly, there's certainly teams that, you know, that can mix it up. And I think in Queensland, the top teams are very, very strong. Um, I think there is a drop-off. Uh, I think in Victoria, you've alluded it to already, alluded to it already that there's, yes, probably, you know, nine, 10 teams looking, looking to make finals and compete at the top. And even the ones below that are strong and can get results against anybody. In terms of, you mentioned the the maturity and the competitiveness, I guess, of MPL Victoria. And we, we've seen, Lockie just spoke about the well-trotten path of a lot of players and yourself as a coach coming down from Queensland into uh, Victoria. Our coach and, of the year in yeah, Victoria of, as well. Of, of course. And I mean, you know, seeing, you know, Queensland produce all this talent, but 
can't seem to retain them. And it seems like Victorians, you know, are able to, are almost, the, the league is almost benefiting from all these players. Why do you think it is that the, I guess, NPL Queensland and these players don't want to stick around and they want to maybe try their luck in NPL Victoria? Do you think it's more the, the stake of the competition, the competition's quality? How do you, I guess, see that? Because, you know, we saw Max Mikkola, Henry Hoare. There's so many others as well that have made that move. Oh, look, I can't, I can't necessarily speak for other people, but I, I would say that, um, I would say that you know the size of the clubs and and uh, I guess the the stature of the clubs and how they're followed is still you know larger than it is in Queensland. Um, the league, the league in general is viewed as a step up, which is obviously a topic uh, for debate, but. Um, uh, I think it's a, a good progression for for young players who do well in Queensland, and and I mean the uh, <laughs> the obvious answer is it's a little bit more lucrative going down to play in, in Melbourne as a young player, um, and that's that's um, I'm sure that plays a part. But look for for myself, it was a case of I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to work um, necessarily in Queensland for any other club um, against Olympic and. Uh, I needed a change of scenery, new you know, new opponents, coach, new coaches to coach against, a new group of players. Um, but the the major appeal for me is the uh, is the size of the club and the size of the clubs that you play against. Well, on the on the size of the club, I don't think it's a, it's a secret to anyone. Melbourne Knights' ambitions of of being involved in a in a potential national second division was that something I can only imagine it was something that factored into your decision-making with a role like this, even if your, your primary focus for now will be the NPL? Look, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm no different to everybody else in the country where I desperately want the National Second Division to happen and believe it's necessary. Um, I'm also, you know, also no different to the rest of you where I have no idea if it will happen, when it will happen, and if it happens, who will be in it and what it will look like. So uh, I think, as you said, it's not a secret that, that Melbourne Knights are ambitious and, and certainly have their sights set on, on a National Second Division. And, and if that comes off, then that's fantastic. And um, that was certainly part of our discussions. But for now, we concentrate on the NPL. Well, talking about the NPL, I guess, for, for the Melbourne Knights fans listening, when a, when a boots to the ground, when is everything getting sorted yourself, you know, meeting the players, you know, getting everyone in for pre-season, I guess, what's the schedule from here into the start of the season next February? So I've met with most of the current playing squad. Um, we, we're well underway in terms of bringing in new recruits as well. Um, and I, I'm moving down there uh, first week of October, and we'll commence preseason first week of November. Wow! And uh, in terms of players, you know that are that are staying, that might be coming in. You've mentioned that the the work for that is already being done. Might we see a a few more follow you down the uh, the path from the the sunny sunny areas of uh, of Queensland to Victoria? <laughs> you may. <laughs> I'm very interested to see who those end up being. And I, well, I did want to ask a few uh, a few more questions about some of those players that have played with you or for you in Queensland, you know, we've seen quite a few of them uh, manage to, you know, ink A-League deals off off the back of the work they've done under you at Olympic, you know, Keegan Jelicic, the most recent example, heading off to Perth Glory. Obviously, Knights haven't had so many of those players that have gone to that next level, have made the jump. We've seen Luca College recently featured in that uh, Joey's Talent ID camp. Is that something that is while maybe not the main goal of your time here at Knights, a, a sort of secondary ambition to develop a few more players to the level where they can make a jump potentially into an A-League or a national second division as well? 
Absolutely. I think um, something I enjoy massively as a coach is, is, you know, identifying players in the group that are hungry and ambitious and, and obviously young enough to still go on. And, um, you know, they're, they're, you mentioned Luca. Luca is one of them. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll give him and the other boys absolutely, you know, all my energy and knowledge and do everything we can to try and push as many on as we can uh, to go and achieve their goals. And a final one for you, Ben, obviously still plenty of pre-season left to go. A lot of time until you will be officially welcoming Melbourne Knights fans uh, to Summer Street. I'm sure you're hoping that your your brand of football and hopefully the success that comes with it will bring fans back in their droves. But what is your your message to the, uh, the, the Knights faithful as you head in the door? Oh, look, it's a big year for the club. It's the 70th anniversary. So um, regardless of whether I'm there or not, it's going to be a year of celebration to celebrate the history. But, you know, for, for me coming in, I'm, I'm absolutely respectful of the history and it's a big part of why I'm there. But let's uh, let's move forward together and, and create the next chapter at Melbourne Knights and see where we can take the club into the future. Well, Ben, uh, good luck. I'm sure we'll chat to you again very soon, but thank you for coming on. Um, a big job ahead of you, but we're looking forward to seeing, I guess, you know, the progress of Knights. And I guess once you guys do roll out for that opening game in February, all eyes will be on Melbourne Knights and uh, looking forward to seeing what you can do. But again, thank you very much for jumping on board today. Thanks very much, Jen. It's been a pleasure. We'll take a quick break here on the MPL Victoria pod. Back with just more after this. Welcome back to the MPL Victoria pod here on FNR Football Nation Radio. Nick DeBano and Lockie Flanagan in studio today. Yes, the show must go on. We're going on into the off-season. Exciting times here in the studios. Obviously, it's the off-season, but doesn't mean that the MPL chatter goes anywhere. It's our version of trade radio, really. Yeah, it, it kind of is. <laughs> MPL trade radio. Um, we're... we're Let's let's not mention our competing radio stations <laughs> products. I don't want to get into that area again. Um, but yeah, we're, and we're coming off the back of um, a great chat with uh, with with Ben Khan as well. I think. Look, we haven't seen any of the football. It's only early days. He's not even here in Victoria yet. But based on the conversation we had with him, Nick, I think Melbourne Knights are in good hands, are, are, and his reputation coming here to Victoria in very good hands. I mean, he has had that experience of taking on, I guess, a a project so to speak, and, and bringing them back up to the top in the past with his um his brilliant work with Olympic, and not just in terms of the results, but the actual style and manner, like really swashbuckling football um, in which they got their results, I think is, is really, really interesting. And we got that interesting uh, tidbit about the potential for some players to maybe follow Ben Khan down to um, yeah. down to Queensland, and there has been some some players um, from Olympic this season I've really watched. I wonder, be fascinated to know because because attacking me, I'm trying to work out who it might be from who Knights are currently sort of lacking in their squad, and an attacking midfielder is is chief amongst them. Takeru Okada, from what I the games that I watched, um, had a really really solid solid season he played a brilliant game albeit in a loss against Lions and then there was another game against uh against Gold Coast Knights where again he was very good and scored on that day mm. 
does he maybe fill that void? I mean, he has come down to Victoria. He didn't really have a great time with Heidelberg. He didn't exactly hit the ground running. I mean, one questions how much of that was to do with him and how much of it was to do with the club and the whole, you know, pandemic thing as well. It's interesting. I'm, yeah. Olympic have got some good players. I'm fascinated to see who who comes down with him. And maybe that maybe they're not from Olympic. Maybe they're from elsewhere. Maybe, maybe. I mean there's plenty of talent up in Queensland. Yeah, I mean, but I think I see it every time the way I think um, I think Melbourne Knights have have made themselves a point in reviewing next season and as we said to Ben off air the uh, the games against um what well, the game against South Melbourne next year if it wasn't already good enough the contrast of styles, the historical rivalry yeah. between the two sides yeah, depending on how, how Knights go to start the season, how soon they see South Melbourne, the reigning premiers, mm. that will be great. That'll It'll be, be great. great. And hopefully this is the season that Melbourne Knights can turn it around and get back into the the top six of MPL Victoria, but also at a very crucial time right now in the, you know, the national second division, hopefully just around the corner. You know, Ben Khan did speak about that. You know, this is a big club. This is a team with aspirations to be part of a national second division and hopefully... We've said so many times, it's only just around the corner. Lockie, on the coaching front, uh, we have been keeping an eye on sort of, you know, the merry-go-round, quote-unquote. Uh, and, of course, Altona sacking Savas Patikas a few weeks ago. But they have announced their new coach, and he's none other than... Well, John. new, old, co- yeah, old new, new coach. Yeah, new coach for, I think it's his third tenure at Altona. Yep, it's his... Actually, no, sorry, his fourth Tenure at Altona, John Markovsky, obviously a former Socceroo, a former coach of Fitzroy City, Springvale, Preston Lions, Fork and the Blues, uh, you know, as well at Springvale for a bit. Coming back was obviously there technically last year and coached four games, three draws and one loss, and then left and was replaced by Archie Davies or Davis and Nick Nick Kovacevic took over for the remainder of the interrupted 2021 season, and Savas Patekas took over at the start of last season, 2022. Yeah, I mean, and now Markovsky's come back for tenure number four. Um, what do we think? It's an interesting yeah. one. Yeah, it's a fascinating it's one. It's going back to the well, hey? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel far, <laughs> far less enthusiastic about that coaching appointment than I. I mean, it's hard when you're comparing every, you know, signing to, to, to Ben Khan. But, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel a lot more uh, whelmed by this one. It's a good uh, way to put it. Yeah. Um, look, yeah, how, how much can a coach who – how much can a coach who has been there for on four separate occasions really move uh, move the needle? Move the needle. Um, and I do think that Altona, particularly on the back end of last season, identified themselves as a club who needs some um, some needle moving. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm, well, I think the jury is very much out on this one. Look, Jonesy is someone who will have that sort of pulling power, I guess, and, and Altona are a side who won not being one of the um, big six, I guess, of NPL Victoria, not traditionally being not even a top the big six, six team. Big, big, big eight, big, big ten. Yeah, the big, the big ten, yeah. <laughs> the big ten. Um, I used to love watching that show on Cartoon Network. Oh, no, it's Ben 10. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, despite not being in that kind of inner sanctum, they have had a record of bringing in some pretty high-profile players mm. over the years. I mean, they got James Exidius across from Bentley this season, yeah. Jamal Ali as well, Chris Oldfield before that. Like, they've brought in some some players of decent caliber, and I'm sure that... Um, I'm sure that that uh, he'll he'll only help with that, but 
yeah, as for the, the, the football that's played out in the park, um, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Well, I don't know. I, 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 while not having any problem with, with him as a, as a head coach necessarily, I just wonder what more can a coach do on his, yeah, on his fourth stint. Uh, Altona are in their fourth, well, fifth now straight season in the top flight. I mean, got promoted back in 2018 and never finished higher than 11th on the table. I think 11th. 11th, but they, yeah, they finished 11th last season. So 11th in 2019, 11th again in 2022. And of course, in the two interrupted season, technically finishing last in the, the, the five games of 2020 and 12th in 2021, where Jonas Markovsky was their top goal scorer with four goals that season as well. Mm. So it's going to be an intriguing off season for Altona. We spoke about, you know, the gap between the best and the worst in NPL right now and themselves and St. Albans find themselves and Hume. I mean, not even really Hume to an extent, because I think you can expect Hume to improve next season. They find themselves in that weird sort of abyss where they're not necessarily... Not talking about Hume, we're talking about Altona. Mm. Altona kind of find themselves with St. Albans in that that abyss of, you know, are they good enough to take the next step? The the nether zone, isn't it? Yeah, they're probably good enough again to stay up, Mm. but are they good enough to push for finals? That's a whole other question because, I mean, with North Geelong and Moreland City coming up, you can expect they're probably going to be at around the same kind of level of Altona and St. Albans. They probably do need to be careful in terms of their stocks to, I mean, survive the drop. I think they have enough quality in that team. But the big question for them, Lockie, is, of course, that John Markovsky has to face this season is they do need to find someone who's going to be able to bang in the goals consistently this season because their big problem was they could defend really well. So what you're saying is they need him. Yeah, they (laughs) need a younger version of him. Basically clone him but de-age him (laughs) as well and, and put him in a time machine or something. Basically... You know, if there's a way to somehow do that through the, the laws of physics and science. But um, it'll be, it's going to be a curious watch to see what Altona do this offseason. Um, and whether, I mean, they, they could really, I mean, there is still that possibility that, you know, they could shock everyone and, you know, go on a bit of a merry run and, and upset the apple cart. But considering how we can expect everyone else to improve dramatically and the best of the best to sort of maintain, if not get better... Altona need to sort of work out, all right, is now the time that we don't want to get left behind or we kind of accept where we are and we're going to battle and try and stay up and solidify our, ourselves in this league. So very intriguing off-season to come. Yeah, and uh, while, while not necessarily cracking that, that top six, I do think that they could at, l- at least bolt away from, you know, starting to teeter on the edge of, like, relegation chance because uh, unlike the other, well, not not so much Hume, but St Albans, um, they probably got a bit more, uh, a bit more spending power, and we have seen that over the last couple of seasons. Even if it's just one player, sometimes that that can make the difference. So, yeah, um, John Markowski's in the door. Uh, what players, um, you know, are welcomed by his his embrace into Paisley Park will be uh, yeah, a curious thing to to keep an eye out on. Yeah, absolutely. So it's something to certainly. I mean, we'll sink our teeth into over the coming weeks when, you know, transfers start to come through and the rest of it. Obviously, we're still awaiting news as to who the new Bentley Greens coach is going to be, who the new coach of St. Albans is going to be, of course, as well in NPL 2 with Boleyn Lions. Um, the other bit of news today, Gianfranco and Pelletieri signing on for another year with Brunswick Juventus. So the, the Juve board backing yeah. in uh, Gianfranco after coming within, sort of coming so close to promotion and... Uh, you know, by the grace of God, I think Brunswick Juventus <laughs> will be hoping that next season they can be right up there again. Shout out to to Joe Suller and his yeah, brilliant commentary. And, and the th- there were some some rumblings about that job that we'd picked up um, that that would have been 
seismic mm. in a Victorian football yeah, sense. Some of the, the the names particularly uh, taking an interest in that job, but that that hasn't come to pass. And Gianfranco and Pelletieri was a, a a whisker away. He plays a, a brand of football I think that is um, effective in the mm. NPL too. And yeah, depending depending on what the the strength of the the sides are that that do get promoted, we expect. Preston and both of the other two academy sides to be strong. I guess the extent, mm. uh, the question remains is the extent to which they, yeah, they and then, improve and are competitive. And of course, remembering the teams that have come down, Eastern Lions and Dandy City, Dandy City as well on the lookout for a new coach too. And of course, they they confirmed confirmed that Stephen Tapalovich will depart at the end of this season. So curious to see where Tapalovich ends up because whoever can get him, especially in a top tier sense, gets a very 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 handy centre back in their stocks, and I mean Indeed. he was he was very good when he came back from injury this season, and you know he kind of led the charge from the back in terms of keep, trying to keep Dandy City in the top tier. So whoever can pick him up, I mean you can kind of look at quite a few of the teams that either got promoted or teams that you know uh, survived that could do with potentially some other centre backs. But I mean when you look at Altona and St Albans, Lockie, I mean they had two of the best defences in the league last season, but the problem was for them up top. So you're probably looking at Maybe a Hume City, maybe potentially Melbourne Knights. Mm. Well, I, I, to I see where he ends up. I guess I wonder. Hmm, does does Topper want to? Because he is a bit older. Yeah, now. he's got he's, a family now. You he's, know, he's, he, he's you know in the sort of mid thirties. Maybe, maybe this is mm. the time where he wants to potentially take it a bit easier. Maybe not make that jump back into yeah. the. The top, uh, the top flight. I don't know. What, what, watch this. Well, space. if it's a, if it's a southeast sort of area, if he wants to stay around that area, I mean, we don't want to sort of put words in his mouth, but I mean, that's sort of you know, if you as you said, when you get to that age, travel is a big thing, and you're unfortunately, saying, saying you should southeast. head to Langwarren. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe. I mean, there's uh, if he wants to stay sort of with more of the. I mean, he, there's there's Dandy. Th- you're oh, saying he should he go to Dandy Thunder. Thunder. Oh, um, well, there's Langwarren. There's Kingston. There's Oakley. There's Bentley. Mm. As teams. I mean, it'd be interesting to keep an eye on. But anyways, Lockie, the one thing that we teased last week, and we're going to do this all through the off-season, is that, well, before really we get into pre-season stuff, is, of course, taking a look back at 2022 and having a look at each of the teams, put them under the microscope, um, and kind of look at what worked, what didn't work, uh, their player of the season, memorable moments, what the burning question is heading into next season, and, of course, a grade for the year. Um, so we're going to start off from top to bottom based on where the teams finished NPL, in NPL 1. Um, of course, this is the, the home and away regular season table. So we're not going to change it all up and look at the at the final table in terms of if you look at where they finish in the finals. But we will go through the top four teams today. We'll start off today with, with South Melbourne, uh, Port Melbourne, Oakley and Green Gully. So Lockie, let's get into it. Let's start off with the reigning premiers, the team who eventually were the runners-up on grand final day, South Melbourne. Mm -hmm. Uh, Back in the finals after a few years out in the wilderness, uh, a a successful season for them in terms of getting back into the finals, but ended on a real sour note how Mm. they lost the grand final. But... Sorry, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to say, are we laying down the, the categories yes. as yeah. well so, for, for where we... Oh, I don't think you were listening, but as I was saying, <laughs> let's start off the top. What worked for South Melbourne this year? What are some of the things we liked about okay. South Melbourne this year? Well, I mean, they finally reached the... I think the over, over, overwhelming positive is that they finally, from a sort of um, macro level, is that they finally returned to the level that 
particularly in the early, you know, days of, of the NPL that South Melbourne had come to be known as a, a hegemonic, dominant, powerful force of this league, both on and off the field. And since the Chris Taylor era came to an end, he departed and ended up winding up at, at Oakley. Um, you know, more on that later, I guess. Um South Melbourne just haven't been that. Mm. They have underperformed year on year while burning through a, a, a variety of coaches um, who just haven't really ever worked out until they turned to a man with a continental pro license. A man with a plan. In Esteban Quintas. And let's be honest, Nick, 2021, yep. his first season in, in full charge of actual like you know being able to play a season um well more than five games at least it it wasn't amazing it wasn't amazing south melbourne had a solid start to the season harrison sawyer suffered an injury there was a bit of a peter out and then started through the sort of middle of the year before they started to pick up right at the end but they were outside you know they were outside the top six yeah um I don't think you would have found many people, while given the strength of their off-season acquisitions uh, into the door at Lakeside, the, the caliber of the players who came in. I mean, Jai Ingham was the one who caught the headlines, but he necessarily hasn't been the one who stood out over the course mm. of the season. But Max Mikola certainly has been someone who's yeah. come in and done the job. Harvey Lopez, a signing that I think I would have questioned at the start of the year, um, the, the the necessity of, of that swap deal. But, I mean, he was South Melbourne's um, Tony Mamaris medalist. Yeah. He was clearly... Um, you know, in in my view, I think one of their, if not their best players in the season, he was the goalkeeper of the year in the league. Um, but even with all those acquisitions, there were still big question marks around um, the football, around the coach, and big questions about whether or not, even with those acquisitions, they would be guaranteed to um, finish in the top make three. Make, let yeah, let alone yeah. let alone make the the top six. Certainly, I was a bit um, unsure about the pessimistic but unsure about the the, yeah, the top six enough. stuff but they have absolutely smashed that mm. um and every time there was in the regular season at least uh there was a a, a hurdle thrown up there was a, a moment at which oh surely this run has to to come to an end um this is gonna gonna be the end of it they put the runs on the board were they the most exciting team every single week were they must watch for every single fan who doesn't support south melbourne not necessarily but they put the runs on the board they got the wins consistently they got the wins they needed to and they finally by hook or by crook made south melbourne the team that their fans expect again and i think that is a is a massive massive win well the one thing is i mean it had been a dull well how many years was it It was 2018 2019 2020 2021 well two complete seasons it feels like a long time they were not playing well in those years and i mean just having a look at their record in the years before that like you know the the first four years of the npl they finished first first third and second and in 2015 16 and 17 they well they lost the grand final in 2015 won in 2016 lost uh, on penalties in 2017 but then 10th in 2018 uh, eighth in 2019, and they were eighth at the shutdown. Only won one from five in 2020, and were ninth at the shutdown in 2021. Um, with a really strange kind of like trying to think the points, like you know the the wins, draws, losses. Sort of it was very even. Like six wins, seven draws, five losses, 19 goals, 18 conceded, 25 points on the board. But they were not playing anywhere near the level well, that they it, were this season. 
that but, that that's the thing is like the the defense, the solidity of the defense mm. was always there, but. This year, they, they've actually they, th- that was what they were lacking, as you've just yeah. identified. But this season, they've they've scored Absolutely. the most goals in the league. Absolutely, the most goals and, in the league. I mean, that was on the off the back of the work of guys like Harry Sawyer, Max Mikola, uh, Marcus Schroen, uh, as well. You know, coming in and I mean, he's been there for so long, but coming in and hitting, uh, scoring as well. Pat Langlar as well got on the scoreboard quite a bit this season. Marco Jankovic from defence too. Uh, Alan Webb. Um, and they had a great season, a great run all through the, the, the home and away season. But um, And really from a positive standpoint, I guess before Harry Sawyer left, they really looked like a team that, I mean, they were the team to beat. Um, it just, as we go into the sort of segues into the next parties, and it may as well go into what didn't work. The, the main thing that didn't work was they did not have a plan B for when Harry Sawyer departed the team. We have spoken at length about this, about, you know, their plan was always, you know, the the set pieces and the long throws and playing to Harry Sawyer's strengths and the sort of the gravity of Harry Sawyer in terms of how he was able to drag players, use his physicality, his speed, um, you know, to bring other players into the game. He was a one-of-a-kind striker in NPL Victoria, which, you know, I mean, the start, there were probably questions about how Harry Sawyer would work down here, but Esteban Quintas used him to a, used him to a T. But yeah. the and lack got- of a plan B when Harry Sawyer left got exposed a lot in those last few games of the season when they kind of, you know, stumbled, did enough to win all those games um, to get the points on the board. And then, of course, in the finals, they got completely worked out, especially in that grand final. Not so much against Green Gully, but mainly in that grand final when, you know, they got torn to shreds. So from what didn't work, it's exactly that. They just did not have a plan B for Harry Sawyer. And I understand that when a player departs, you know, you don't anticipate that at the start of the season – but coaches should always have that, that backup contingency plan just in case. All right, if Harry Sawyer gets injured and considering he's so important and so integral to the way we play, what is the plan B? What, what can we do in this situation where, you know, God forbid Harry Sawyer gets hurt or leaves the club? What can we do to ensure that, you know, we don't completely fall to bits? And South, in some of those games, didn't really have it. And especially it got worked out in the grand final when as well they lost Andy Brennan who... Didn't score a lot. Didn't score at all this season in the league, but sort of his ability to you know buzz around and bring other players into the game and work hard. It worked perfectly for the for the for South Melbourne. So we've spoken about going into next year about whether they can bring in another sort of. I was about to say like a key forward because it's like Harry Sawyer is like a key forward in footy terms. Bring in someone who is if they're going to keep playing that way. Bring in someone who is of that physicality, of that stature. Someone who can draw defenders. Someone who's got such a big presence up top. Because there aren't many that just sort of, they don't grow on trees, these sort of players who have, because a lot of those bigger guys, like they, they're very one-dimensional, but Harry Sawyer had so many different dimensions to his game. So it will be interesting to see whether they can replace it, but also replace 17, was it 17 goals? I think it was at the end of the year. That yeah. Sawyer had. And, and- 17 goals. As much as they scored 58, Lockie, that's a lot of goals and probably a lot that came as a result of his work as well. Mm. And I think, I mean, it's it's a fair question to, to say, or to ask to what extent is... Um, yeah, Esteban, I guess, also in, deserves some credit for the improvement we've seen from Harrison Sawyer this year because, like, I remember admitting to you as much on, on this podcast that, like, I became a bit of that, like, Shaq meme where he's like, I- I'm sorry, I was not familiar really with, your, with your, game. your game. yeah. And Harrison Sawyer has definitely, while having performed well in 2021 as well, um, he has added elements to his game. He has become a much more incorporative um, player and, by extension, a, m- a f- much further 
uh, a harder to deal with player. But I would I would probably my biggest sort of um, letdown or biggest disappointment. Um, what didn't go well. It wasn't just the lack of a plan B after Harrison Sawyer's departure. I think there's a case to be made that you could um, you could extrapolate that out to just a general not having much in, 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 in the way of a plan B, even with Harrison Sawyer, because mm. I think I think a lot of the game, extremely effective though it was, and I don't want to lose sight of what a good season South Melbourne did have, a, a lot of it was predicated around taking the lead and defending that lead. I mean, mm. you, you look at the over the course of the season, the the amount of times South Melbourne actually conceded first in games was few and far between. But when they did, more often than not, they didn't get the win. I think there was only two times that they came back. back from behind, and that was against Avondale, who Avondale are, you know, the most probably one of the most attacking outfits in the league. Um, so the Avondale game. And the Dandenong Thunder game where they came back and got an equaliser right before halftime with a penalty. So while that A side of the South Melbourne record is effective in this league, um, sides have had a, a year, year and a half now to to adjust that and improve and work out what they mm. can do against it. And that raises the importance of a need for a plan B, which I think a lot of the times, um, with or without Harrison Sawyer, South didn't necessarily have. So I think that's the sort of big area of improvement, yep. I think. Player of the season, Lockie. Um, I'll go, I'm going with Sawyer. For me, was player of the season. Golden Boot was so important to the way that they played. Um, if it's anyone else in terms of, I mean, I won't steal yours, but um, someone else in terms of who I think had a really good season, just just very quietly, I think, was Pat Langler. I think yeah. he's, and also Max Mickler. They're the two as well, just honourable mentions for their seasons as well. I would think that both of them potentially should be, if they aren't already, in the eye of potentially, or for Pat making a return to A-League circles mm-hmm. and for Max Mickler to look to make the leap I think they're both certainly good enough. Yeah, well, again, I mean, Pat's a good example of a player who also has come into South and I think added another element to his game as well. I mean, becoming a bit more of that kind of uh, goal-scoring, attacking option that we've seen in bits um, at Hume, but not quite to the same level. Like yeah. the late penalty area entries, the threats from corners and all of that sort of stuff was, was new for him, I think. Um, but for me, Harvey Lopez yeah. had a, a season in the net for South Melbourne as good as I can remember most keepers or any keeper having um i could th- name probably three or four games just off the top of my head where harvey lopez made incredible saves to to keep south melbourne in a game or to defend or to um stop a goal from happening when south were trying to defend their lead which as we've said was so important to the success that they had this mm. season and the actual modus operandi of their football like I still think about the the green gully game that they had earlier this season now the re- result eludes me I think it might actually be a been, goalless I think draw, it actually was a, yeah. a goalless draw but that game could so easily have just been a South Melbourne loss mm. um but for some of the goalkeeping heroics of Harvey Lopez on that day like these just incredible double saves the acrobatics uh, it was it was brilliant and yeah. Really, the only game where he wasn't um, outstanding was was the grand final, and for a lot of those goals, there wasn't much he could do. But yeah. a lot of the other contests, he he was um, brilliant. Even when they were defending the lead against Gully, when they won in mm. the semi final, 
he again came up with some very big saves as South Batten down the hatches. And I just think that without a keeper having as good of a season as he did, South wouldn't have been able to achieve yeah. what they did. And also the reason I'm giving him the player of the season as well, my expectation for Sawyer was already reasonably pretty high. Mm. I know he's a good player. Uh, he had a solid season with Bentley, but not not at this level. No. Not at this no level. No way. And enough to make me surprised that the swap actually yeah. happened. Um, he's blown me away this year. And I think he's... he's I can completely understand why he was South's player's player of the season. So, game of the season for South Melbourne. Now, I think we were we'll probably answer this one. We at the were same we time. were both on the same page for this one, and it's it's so. I mean, it's the game hard. of the year. It's yeah, the game it's of the, the game year. Of the season. South okay. Melbourne coming back from three 0 down to beat Avondale four three back in May. Um, what a game that was! What a win it was for South Melbourne. Um, I mean, it was a real statement win as well. It was obviously a, from memory. It was a anniversary game. No, there was some sort of it was the Ange celebration. Ange celebration game. Um, and obviously, you know, to come back from 3-0 down and win 4-3, incredible. Just incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's still their second best <laughs> comeback come yeah. from a big deficit at but Lakeside. It is, but it is, uh, up, is unbelievable. In this season, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Un, it's unequivocal. It's no contest. Absolutely. Well, I and mean, there was a great crowd for that game as well. Yeah. And I think that's maybe something for South Just, to, to target yeah. next year. Is like, how do we, what can we do to get more people? Because despite yeah. despite the success this season, the crowds probably, I think it's fair to say, haven't been as they, good yeah, they as you'd have expected they for waned, South Melbourne yeah. to have this season. Started with a bang in that Heidelberg game, but yeah. you expect that for the early season and, kind of And to know, be fair, there are some exten- extenuating circumstances, particularly cold winter. Yeah. There were some redevelopments being The done. Saturday nights at Lakeside. There were, there were seats yeah. that were cordoned off because of painting works and all that sort of stuff. But I, I do want to see more yeah, people take an interest let, in this Let's side, be real, right? Like just just putting it from a complete human standpoint here. Saturday nights at Lakeside when it's in the middle of winter, coming the the chill off the lake. Yeah, you have to make sure you got your layers on. If not, you are in for a tough night. Um, that's why I think I'd love to see South Melbourne play more during the day, mm. because I think it'd be great to see Fridays, them Friday nights, or Sunday afternoons, or Saturday afternoons even. Mm. Go with I the mean, they've got, got to factor in the obviously the women's team, of course, as but, well, but, but considering as well the the under twenty ones play at Northcote. Like, you can kind of have a bit more freedom in that sense. Obviously, you know, making yeah. sure the women aren't playing. No, I, w- I would the like them time. to experiment yeah, with that, just, that kickoff just time a that, bit more I, next I think, season. I think you can get more people in during the day at that point. Maybe in summer, early in the year, you can stick with the night kickoffs because, of course, you don't want it to be too hot. Yeah, I mean, the Thursday game, but, the yeah, season opener was great. Brilliant. Well, of course, in that game, Lockie, just, you know what the great thing is now? Google actually have you know, the, the proper sort of scoreboard. Nice, isn't it? Yeah. Like so just have, don't, don't have to, don't have to a, go on to, to Sports TG, but of course, just looking back on it, I mean, Avondale up 3-0 in the first 13 minutes and then Max Mikkola's double, Alan Webb, Harry Sawyer scoring, incredible, incredible Well, and Max Mikkola's free kick goal as well yeah. to, to put them in the lead was a ripper. Yeah. The burning question, Lockie. I feel like I should get a sting ready for this and I'll get it for the next thing. Um... My burning question for them is how did well I feel like we well, spoke about Harry Sawyer, but how do how do they replace Harry Sawyer? You know, and who? who do they get to replace Harry Sawyer for me is the big question. I think that's I guess the big the big thing for because I I don't see South Melbourne changing philosophy next season. I think a lot of it's gonna be the I same. I mean, why would they? Yeah. You know. So for me, that's the one. For yourself? Yeah, I think it's very hard to argue with what you said because he was so fundamental. Um and and so critical to doing what they they do, uh, I I don't 
yeah, it's not going to be easy. You can bring, see the thing is, even bringing someone in with very similar Harrison Sawyer like attributes is no guarantee that he will have the effect that he um, he will replicate the success of, of Harrison Sawyer. But I'm curious to know what they're gonna what they're gonna what they're gonna do with that that position on the field. I, like like I've said, I think Xander Guy might be someone um, who not quite the same physical profile. Um, but definitely, you know, a, a tall, intelligent yeah. striker who can hold up the ball. He might be someone who's an option, mm. but yeah, that's a big question. I mean, I guess the other, the only other sort of secondary question I would offer up is, um, you know, does does Javi Lopez uh, replicate the season that he has? Mm. Does he build to another level? Um, yeah, if not, I wonder what impact that will have. Let's give him a grade, Lockie. I'm going A minus. A for the season. I mean, winning the premiership by the amount that they did, but the minus, the blemish being that grand final loss. Um, yeah, we haven't really talked about the grand yeah, final. Yeah, A minus. We've spoken about it at length last week. Yeah, we've, we've, <laughs> we don't well, need to flog a dead for horse. For our South Melbourne listeners, we've we've probably <laughs> we've probably yeah. gone into enough detail about that grand final. Uh, I'm actually going to be more charitable charitable than you. This is a rare moment on this podcast. I'm going to go for an A. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Oh, well, we're both still giving them A's. I'm just giving them that that notch down because of the grand final loss. It would have been an A. It would have been A. Because you know, if they won it, it'd be an A plus. Yeah, no. It's, it's just the manner in how they lost, as we spoke about last week. Just shocking. Um, let's move on. Port Melbourne. Uh, a disappointing end to a very good season. <laughs> disappointing ends for both these two teams. Port Melbourne, an amazing year from a home and away standpoint, finishing in second, uh, surging up the table to make the finals for the first time. Just getting this stat up in front of me. I think it was the first time since 20... 2018. Yeah, 2018 was the first Avondale. time. Yep, first time since 2018 that they have made the finals. Um, a great season, as we said, home and away standpoint, but from a final standpoint, a disappointing end. Not making the most of their home final against Oakley, falling two one. Uh, what did we like? I mean, this season they were the one of the teams to beat. They were so well balanced. Adam Pitty coached them brilliantly all year. I think what I really liked was. As I said, the balance of this team, they could score, they could defend, they knew how to control games. That, for me, just how well-rounded they were, I think is one thing I really, really liked about Port Melbourne this season. I just, I love the adaptability. I love the the collective nature of this side. Like, it was not a side where there was a particular player, well, they certainly have strong players across the park, yeah. There wasn't a particular player who was like, okay, he is the weak, the weak point, or yeah. he is the weak point, or he is the standout, bona fide star of this side. Mm. Without whom, this the rest of the team wouldn't just very evenly wouldn't function. Like, from, yes, George Mills had a really yeah. great season, but I don't. I think you wouldn't say that someone is like irreplaceable. Like everyone no. was kind of working for one another, and that's what I liked. They did some really interesting things tactically. They're sort of hybrid. A four at the back that could become a three and 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 chop and change depending on what was what was needed. Um, that sort of system and the the complications of that system, the positional rotations, the work the midfielders have to do to make themselves a threat uh, in the penalty box. That kind of high concept stuff can only work if you've got a team who are prepared to. Okay, forgive me the footballing cliche here, but prepared to play for one another, mm. like. The attitude of this side, I think, was what really worked well for me because it was what allowed yeah. them to play in the way in which they did. And more often than not, it was extremely effective, but also extremely exciting. Yeah, That's absolutely. 
And I mean, you know, Adam Pittick did a, has done a brilliant job this season after, you know, and they've, they've always been thereabouts since they made the finals. I mean, ninth in 2019, they were close. They yeah. finished sixth in 2020 before the shutdown, seventh last year. They were on the precipice last year. They made the round 32 of the formerly FFA Cup and they last were, year they as were, well. There were, they were green shoots for them. Like, I think there was always a clear sign watching Port play under Adam Pittick that there was like some complex ideas and thoughts about how we're going to play in possession, what kind of things Mm. we're going to do to try and break down an opponent. But the consistency and the delivery of it was never there, partially um, because of some learnings maybe he's had along the way Mm. or because of the the strength and depth of the squad, which I think it's at its peak now. This this project has been building year on year. We finally saw it come to fruition this season. And the other thing I like about this season, what went well, is that they – completely stunned a lot of people. Absolutely. There would have been many people who had them outside the top six, and here they are finishing top two, game away from a grand final. Uh, For me, the thing that didn't work well, well, I mean, the semifinal. Yeah. it's The The semifinal. They did everything to a T all year, but just crumbled up 1-0, and Oakley just showed their class. I think it honestly, we speak about burning question later, but you saw that they just got, when you look at on paper quality, I spoke about it being very well balanced. On paper quality, that's where they lost that game. Just having someone with that individual brilliance who can win a game by themselves. And that's what Oakley had with Joe Knowles. And unfortunately for Port Melbourne, they probably just lack one or two players who can just take a game by the scruff of the neck and really hurt teams. And I think that's where they fell off Mm. in that semi. I guess I wonder whether whether a player like that would, would work for them. Yeah, I get that. But I see what you mean. Like... The lack of a kind of... Um, a game changer and a real X factor. Someone who's got that... Yeah. It's, yeah. It, they've got those players, but not quite to the same level where there's like one mm. clear kind of like, standout. Not, not, not taking anything away from Chris Duggan, who has been brilliant. I mean, he's, hit, he's, hit four, he's hit 14 goals yeah, this season. 15 goals yeah, this season, like, But he can't do it all by himself. You know, Luke Tavir had a great season as well. I mean, we spoke about George Mellis. He had a great season defensively. They Jackson Courtney Jackson Perkins, Perkins, Perkins definitely well. stood up in Chris Duggan's absence. Yeah, absolutely. They had a lot of guys out there that could do it, but I feel like they're just one or two players short. Yeah, there's, that's, that's there, the problem. You're right. There's not, a, there's not necessarily a dominant, maybe yeah. Mellis, but um, yeah, I, th- I think it's got to be the semifinal because like mm. Oakley were the walking wounded. No one really gave them much of a... I mean, yeah. they're Oakley. You never write them off. But no one really gave them a, a huge chance. Port Melbourne were definitively the favourites. They'd pipped Oakley to the post to the top two. They were the fittest side in the comp. They were really the only team other than South um, who hadn't dealt with Australia Cup, hadn't lost their striker on the eve of the finals, didn't have any injuries pretty much throughout the season, um, which is stunning considering how physically demanding the, the football that they play is. Um, they were the side that... Mm had the most going for them heading into this final series. And that game at JL Murphy against Oakley was theirs to win. They were probably the better side on the day. Um, They did take the lead. And, Nick, to put it into perspective, do you know how many times Port coughed up a lead to lose in the regular season? How much? One time. One time. Happened in the semifinal. Happened only once. And Mm. the second time that it happened was in that semifinal, Um, which... Maybe an anomaly, but again, it kind of speaks to the point you make that, you know, Oakley, while not being at their best, while having injury concerns, had something that yeah. perhaps Port Melbourne didn't. So I think that semi final will leave a, a, a sour taste in what was a otherwise 
brilliant yeah. season for them. Player of the season for me, Chris Duggan. Um, I know it's a bit of a controversial decision because George Mel's finished so high on the gold medal count. But I think Chris Duggan's form in front of goal is hard to look past. Well, as well. and he did have that injury layoff as yeah, well. So, so you I kind think of when wonder, you put all that in suspension, you wonder. Still having such a good season yeah, after that. Exactly. You wonder what he yeah. would have managed yeah. and what kind of conversation we'd be having now if he didn't have those concerns. What about you? Um, it's a Porter, a hard team to give a definitive like number one, just mm. because of as we've said, give like, it to the whole team. They're a collective <laughs> team. I mean, I've been unsurprised. I think Wilkin, Jordan, uh, Josh Wilkins, sorry, yeah. Jordan Wilkins, uh, Josh Wilkins has been outstanding. Uh, I think he's been like one of the really important last pieces of the puzzle. Luca Tavir, I think, for his first season of top flight football, uh, deserves a massive shout out for the year that he's had, chipping in with seven goals from midfield. It's got to be Mills, though. Um, mm. I mean, yeah, I get it, what you it's, mean. it's hard to turn your eyes away from a player who, again, uh, doesn't really, s- in terms of goals and assists stats from this season, just doesn't controls things, stand out, know, but, it, yeah. but he's, the, he's the person who makes them tick. Like, not in like a star player kind of way, but he's the cl- clear fulcrum. Like he ma- yeah, he makes everything sort of happen. So I think it's going to be him. But again, I think it's a team where by virtue of the way they play, there's a lot of competitors. Let's just give it to the like entire Altona Magic team. Oh, sorry, Altona, far out. Port Melbourne, I've had a bit of a blank. Yeah, so I was just reading the, you know why? Because I was just reading the season guide and I saw Ross Archibald's name. It said former club Altona Magic. And I just had a brain fade late. At no, the I'll, I'll, give it to, I'll give it yeah. to Mills. Yeah, Honourable mention the rest of the um, <laughs> The burning question. Now, Lockie, I did promise a sting and I do have one. Wow. So just, uh, just hang tight. We'll get there. It always going to play slightly in the background so what is the burning question for Port Melbourne going into this offseason for me can they take the next step from you know a second place finish in the semi-final can they go that one step more this is not the music I was expecting it's all right it's 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 positive vibes here can they take that next step and can they be in a grand final next season are you clicking intentionally like no that's just the music still just the sub okay just an accidental uh, what is my burning question for Port Melbourne? Um, God, that's that's a great question. What is my burning question for Port Melbourne? Can they bring in, you know, can they sustain this? Like, can they keep this up? Um, when you are a team that play in the, the way that they do, you know, all for one and one for all, um, if you do have an unfortunate bump in the road, I guess that's my burning question, actually, because they went through this season, other than Chris Duggan's injury, which they did account for, if they end up making a run in the Australia Cup next year or something like that, and they get injury hit like a lot of their competitors were, how does that impact them? What capacity have they got to sort of withstand that? So I guess that burning question for me is, can they get through next season unscathed? Or if they don't, how do they respond? Because that's been the biggest test for a lot of their competitors this season. And I think some could make the argument that perhaps that's part of the reason they were able to leapfrog Oakley into top two in in the first place. I think we're almost running out of time. We'll give a quick rating. Port Melbourne, I'm going to give them an A this season. An A? Yeah, I'm going to go with an A. Yeah. Um, we're almost out of time. Shall we leave Oakley and Green Gully for next week? Uh, Spread these out a bit more. I think we think we could. We probably have enough time to uh, to at least get through get through Oakley. Maybe even 
Maybe even a little bit more. But shall, we, shall we just do Oakley Let's for now? Do and Oakley. Then Let's do Gully Oakley. Let's do Oakley. We'll apologise for, for, for Green Gully. We'll, we'll save Green Gully for off the top next week as well. So don't, don't worry. If we don't get to o- uh, Green Gully today, we'll make sure we save him for next week. But let's talk about the NPL Victoria champions, the Oakley Cannons. Finished in third. Um, they were in the top two for basically the whole season. Then were hit by the, the wave of injuries and the wave of uh, fixtures that came at them. 13 games in 60 days to finish their entire campaign, including the Australia Cup, the Doherty Cup, the League of the Finals. They were doing it all, but they withstood it. They were runners-up in the Doherty Cup. They finished third in the regular season. They won the MPL Victoria Championship, and they finished in the semifinals of the Australia Cup. All in all, what to like about Oakley's season? What isn't there like to like about Oakley's season? This was... An incredible run. A team that defied all logic with all the injuries they had, all the players that they had through this run, and still found a way to succeed. And they won the grand final. It's their first top-tier uh, trophy, I think, ever. Their first ever, like, you know, I don't think they ever won the VPL. Uh, no, no, no. They, they make so, grand finals. They yeah, made, but they, they never won it. So no. they, they got the... They Unless you, the it Houdini. depends to what extent you count the uh, 2021 NPL Victoria. Yeah, and of course as well, they won the 2021 NPL Victoria Premiership. So I mean, they've... How could they, you forget? Yeah, they... they and they were... Unless premi- you're Avondale. Yeah, and of course, you know, it's an amazing year for them. They got it done. So for what I liked, the resolve, the pure resolve of this team to stick together... And keep finding a way to grind out results even when it looked so unlikely with all the injuries. And this isn't even a sort of, this is not a, a tangible thing you can just grab onto and say, you know, we were able to do this. There's a certain do... je ne sais quoi yeah. to, to yes. the Oakley's year. Yes, absolutely. It was all intrinsic. It was all mentality to keep battling on when they had defensive injuries and attacking injuries. They were playing every third day. They were being battered towards the end of the NPL Victoria season. They could have easily folded at the end of that NPL Victoria season, gotten to the finals, and, well, and gone. There were there were teeters as well. Yeah, let's, let's not the forget that the last two the weeks, that the last two rounds One of the season, the they lost five. To, they lost to St Albans and they lost to Hume back to back, going into a finals against the Absolutely. Heidelberg side. They had lost two both times. This they year. they lost the Doherty Cup final after leading by a goal. I mean, there were signs that this team was getting ready to, to put it bluntly, they were about to potentially burst the seams, but. They defied all logic. So you know what? What a season. Yeah. What a season. Uh, what, what did I like? Um, being entertained. That's what I yeah. liked. Oakley were, were far and away. Um, not in a, in a way they play football necessarily out and out um, in the same way that I was really impressed with Port Melbourne tactically. But in terms of just like delivering drama consistently, Oakley just no contest. Mm. It's not even close. Like South Melbourne and Avondale maybe is the, the best regular season game of the year. Um, but if I think about my top five, my top six, I think Oakley would be involved in just about every one of them. If yeah. it was top five craziest games, they would be involved in pretty much every every yeah. one. The 6-2 against Avondale, the game against the 2-1 game against South Melbourne, the 3-2 against Heidelberg, which was a fantastic game, the 3-3 against Heidelberg, which they won yeah. on penalties, um, the come from behind in extra time against Port. Like, they have just mm. – and that's not even mentioning the Australia Cup. They have just delivered yeah. time and time and again, and any neutral watcher um, who's kept abreast of the MPL Victoria season will – Oakley will stick firmly in their mind in years to come. What didn't we like? The injuries. I think it's something that Oakley can't control, but it's just the injuries. I would have loved to have seen this team at full power all year. 
having Jacob Aliopoulos, having Hamish Miller, having Matt Thurtell. I mean, we spoke about him beforehand. He's technically on their list, but he's been out all season with what could be a career-ending injury. This team at full pelt is what I would have loved to have seen. But unfortunately, we weren't able to see this team at full pelt. And when they were, not for long. So I guess for me, that that's the one. I wish that we could have seen this team at full pelt. The injuries were just such a sour note. Even though they kept finding a way to win games, I think it would have been great to see this team at full pelt for longer. Yeah. I mean, because I don't want to agree with you. My my thing, maybe just as a point of difference, um, yes, we saw the success of the integration of a young player in Anthony Pantazopoulos this season, um, and Oakley have got a very deep squad. It's a squad that's hard to crack. Uh, there's not a lot of substitutions. I think maybe the thing that didn't work quite as well is we, we maybe didn't get to see as much of those youth talents being given a chance mm. to, to step up and shine. And now I understand why that is. Um, points are at a premium. It's an important season. You want to trust your experienced guys. Your squad is so good that you can afford to have second stringers who are first 11 quality come off the bench. But as much as we celebrate the success of Anthony Pantazopoulos this season as a brilliant young player who I think will kick on. Um, let's not, you know, dance around the fact that he was the exception and, and yeah. certainly not not the rule. And I think for Oakley to sort of build a, a continued legacy and to account for times where they have injuries, um, that youth uh, focus needs to maybe be a bit more of a priority. Yeah. But then they're, they're not exactly alone no, in, exactly. in that they're, as well. I mean, to, to just, you know put them under the microscope in that is probably a bit unfair. No, the, but the, I get exactly but that's what, that's what yeah. I would think I would like to see a bit more of. And I get it. You know, we can't play the, we can't necessarily play these young guys because they haven't had that experience of playing in the big games and all that sort of mm. thing. But then other than leaving, how else do they get that experience? Yeah. But again, like you said, Oakley, not, not alone in that issue yeah. necessarily. Um, player of the season. Oof. I know yours is going to be different to mine, but I think just the fact of, how important he was and, of course, where this has led him to. It's Joe Knowles for me. I mean, me. he's literally the gold medalist. Yeah. Like, it's uh, a pretty it's, safe it's, bet, It's man. Joe Knowles. I think that's the boring selection in terms of just, you know, it's a bit of a cop-out, but I think it, it is quite universal that he was the best player. Anyone else other than that? Joe Guest. Yeah, I'll I mean, mention to him. Joe Guest was the, the media player yeah. of the year. I will put my hand up and say that yeah, he was I, the person I, I, I voted, voted for him, him as well. Um, he, had a, he, yeah. he had a brilliant season. His season I mean, was as good as his gold medal but, season, in my opinion. Yeah. But, for, Obviously, for, the, for the referees didn't agree. For honourable mentions as well, I want to shout out to Oliver Kubelay. Yep. I mean, friend of the show. We can probably just say, uh, I mean, sen- sensational year for him. Yeah. And one other player I want to share is different to yours as well, uh, Matt Fischini. And, of course, yeah. uh, we want to say uh, uh, happy, retirement happy retirement for Matt Fischini. From playing, not yep. from work. The work um, is very much still continuing, retiring, and that's why retiring, I think, is... you know, at least for, I think we'll keep going for many years. But, of course, the age of 32, focusing on... You know, what's next? And, you know, he turns 32 in a few weeks. Apologies, Fish. Obviously, still not 32 just yet. But retiring after, in the best way possible after winning a NPL Victoria Championship. He's been there and done it all in NPL and now can go on to the next uh, chapter of his life. But um, just want to say a big congratulations to him and, you know, best of luck in the future from all of us. He obviously as well came on the show a few weeks ago. We thank you for his time. Absolutely. I, I hope he's not a stranger to Victorian football. Because no, I hope we still see him around. What I will miss... 
about Matt Fashini just as much as his uh, his on field playing ability is his ability to to work the crowds yeah. that he plays against. Um, he's, a, he's a great heel. Upcoming final series will just not be the same without Matt Fashini going out of his Ooh. way to raz up away Heidelberg supporters and his former club South Melbourne, what who way, he gave it to as yeah, well. What a way to go out, you know, giving them the go to sleep in the grand final and everything. To be fair, I mean that that the way that grand final happened. Um, you know, achieving a championship success for the club that he did get his sort of first crack at, at football and his move to victory at. It's a perfect way to end. Absolutely. Um, and with the night-night to South Melbourne fans. Like, he signed off in exactly the way you would expect Matt Fashini to yeah. sign off, I think. Well, it's a shame he didn't get his uh, pre-season friendly game or post-season friendly against Melbourne Victory on Sunday, yes. maybe to bow out. Well, is he going to? Team. Because they're playing Western yeah, United tomorrow, tomorrow night. night. I don't know. Will Matt Fashini maybe have play? to ask? They have to put a question out. Maybe. Maybe anyway, uh, my player of the season, uh, very left field pick, even though he was the Jimmy Rooney medalist in the yeah. grand final, uh, it's Aaron Williams. Yeah. It's Aaron Williams, Fair who enough. I think has massively flown under the radar this season. Well, he wasn't always incredible, the standout, the leading light. Um, he has had to hold this defense together uh, alongside Matt Fashini. They're in the back four. They've been the only ones who have mm. really consistently featured. But in the center of defense... Uh, Aaron Williams has had to play with multiple different partners. He's, Jacob, the only, he's been the only. He's the only one who's been consistently yeah. there. So he's been the one who, in the middle, has had to hold everything together. Whether he's with Anthony Pantasopoulos, whether he's with Oscar Dillon who got injured, whether he's with Jacob Eliopoulos who got another ACL, whether he's with Oliver mm. Kubelay who had to yeah. had to drop in at times. Um, you would have expected at any of those points for their defense to to crumble to go completely to shreds. Mm. But in terms of conceding a bunch of goals and having a massive anomaly, it never really did. No. It never really did. And I think a large part of the reason that that happened or didn't happen um, was Aaron Williams. Mm. I think, I don't know, I think he's um, had a massively underrated season. And we were talking about it off air, Nick. If, if, If he didn't sustain what we believe to be a pretty serious knee injury in that game uh, against MacArthur in the Australia Cup semi-final, he might have been someone who who could have made a return to, to professional football. Yeah, he really absolutely. was that good this yeah. season, regardless of who he was with. I, I think, honestly, if he didn't, as you said, I, honestly, I reckon that there could have been much worse options than him as sort of a, a last-minute mm. kind of signing well, I, to I think experience he, signing. I think he well. made the players around him better as oh, well. Absolutely. Because... Jacob Eliopoulos is the oldest of those three yeah. defensive options at 25. Oscar Dillon, 23. Anthony Pantasopoulos, 9. Like and Aaron Williams is 29 in a few weeks. Yeah. yeah. He's the experienced yeah. head. And so it's it's because of because of him that Oakley have had, and Matt Fashini to, yeah. to an extent, and they've just, had the season. That just on Aaron Williams, there's that one game that stands out. was against the, the 3-2 loss against Bentley on a Monday night where it was him and Oliver Kubelay playing at centre-back and Aaron Williams played through his skin and they were up against it. I mean, Ajak Riak was just going ham. And Aaron Williams was holding it together with just... It was one of the best performances I've seen from a defender in NPL Victoria, despite the fact that they conceded three goals. Mm. And there was not much he could do about it. I mean, I don't know how many times Oliver Kubelay played centre-back before, but they were just holding it together, the two of them. And they did so well. But Aaron Williams particularly, sensational that game. So... We wish him all the best with his recovery. We hope we can see him at some point next season. I, I really hope we can, um, even though, I mean, given the time frame, it's probably a bit unlikely 
unless he makes, you know, quite, unless he avoided an ACL injury. We don't actually know for sure if he did or not, mm. but he didn't pass the tests against MacArthur. So we hope that he's all good. Uh, game of the season, Lockie. I mean, for me, I'm going to say the 2-1 win against, it's easy to go to the grand final, but for me, I'm going the 2-1 win against Port Melbourne. Coming from a goal behind on the road, Joe Knowles scoring those two goals to swing the trajectory back in their favor and coming away with the win just after playing that really emotional uh, quarterfinal against Sydney FC where, I mean, the focus could have easily gone to MacArthur and they just played the week before that as well, 120 minutes against Heidelberg and they defied, you know, logic again coming from behind and winning a game on the road. Mm. For me, that's their game of the season. Yeah, very, very fair shout. Um, I think if you ask Chris Taylor, he would say the grand final, no no question (laughs) asked. Uh, And and fair enough. I'm going to say... I know technically it wasn't a, wasn't actually a win in open play. It was a penalty win. But the Heidelberg-Oakley game, mm. not only being one of the best games of semi-professional, well, football, just football generally, professional mm. football, anything that I've ever, ever watched in person, um, that was the only... That was the point at which my sort of doubt, like surely this all comes to an end for Oakley, was at my highest. Mm. Like that was the moment... And it was also simultaneously the moment where I was like, I cannot write this team off anymore. Anytime I think they're about to fall, I can't write them off. And that's why while everyone was like, port, 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 they're going to win this semi, no problems. I was like, I cannot tip against Oakley. It is at this point impossible because of what they'd achieved prior. Um, They'd lost, they'd won in the Australia Cup through extra time, Mm -hmm. but they lost back-to-back games in the league against St. Albans and Hume, as we mentioned. They went down in that game against Heidelberg, a team who had done the double over Mm -hmm. them into the league. And yes, they crumbled in the, on the with literally the last kick of the game, Sean Ellis, <laughs> Sean Ellis magic. But they managed to to come back when they got level. They pulled ahead again, and yes, Sean Ellis broke their hearts momentarily. And then they were perfect in the in can, the shootout. That, that was just the game for yeah. me where it was like all the things that they've been trying to tell us: you cannot write us off. We will overcome these challenges. They all came together, and I was like, I. And- I'm buying what you're selling. Yeah, I agree. And, and the extra context this is Nick Feely played through a bloody torn hip. And made yeah, three, made three <laughs> penalty saves. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And I think if, if you talk about what my favorite thing about Oakley was this season, what went well, the entertainment value, them being the entertainers, well, that game was that in a nutshell. Yeah. It really was. It that was, was such the, an that, amazing it, game. Genuinely, it was the yeah. point where it's like, I can't um, tip against you guys anymore. Yeah. Because I, I, I just cannot trust I cannot trust my judgment when Oakley are playing anymore. It just can't happen. All right. Looking ahead to next season, what is the burning question? Oh, I mean it's let's let's get Sorry, it I'll let you play the music first. Um okay. You've had your fun. <laughs> You've had your fun. It's how do they replace Jonas? It's yeah. the obvious question. It's the only I mean it's the only question. I I'm going to one-up that in terms okay. of just with jo- replacing Joe Knowles. How do they replace Aaron Williams in the heart of defence next season? Because they have Oscar Dillon. What shape is Jacob Aliopoulos coming back in when he... Ha- when, when, he when is well, he, he going to come back? he got his ACL midway through the season. Yeah, so, so we're not going to see him until at least you know, so a quarter of the way in. How many defensive reinforcements uh, are we going to have to look at? And as well, again, as you mentioned, who replaces Joe Knowles out in that flank? And who replaces Matt Fashini at right back? Who replaces Matt Fashini... Uh, obviously, Matt Thurtell had yep. that knee injury, so they probably will want to bring in a striker. Yeah, well, they had 
They brought in, obviously, Mario Barcia for a midfield option. They brought Ryan Lostin, who can play really anywhere, and I think that they'll probably keep him around next year. Barely play because he got injured depth. himself. I mean, not Barcia, yeah. but Lostin's a good depth. So yeah, depth so I think there'll be them. some... I think Oakley will be quite busy. The, the, the word is that they have a few players on the way in already. Yeah, I mean, we, we, have, we have caught wind of their potential replacement for, for Joe, Joe Knowles, and... That would very much answer my. It would. It would pour a lot of. Uh, it would pour fire extinguisher on my. Um, on my burning yeah. question. But even then, the follow up is, just because you've replaced Joe Knowles doesn't mean your replacement has the same effect. Hits the ground running in quite the same way. So it's a two parter. Yeah. How do they replace Joe Knowles and who they replace Joe? Maybe it's two players that they need to replace. Well, not Joe even Knowles. that, but they've got to get defenders in How as well. How does that work? Yeah. yeah. And of course, Nick Feely. What sort of shape is he coming back? They're no, in next they're no guarantee of a double up. Is whatsoever. Lewis Italiano going to stick around permanently? Like, what's the go? No guarantee of a double what, up. They've got very intriguing off season. I reckon they're going to be quite busy, Oakley, this off season. Uh, a grade for me, A plus. When you take into consideration everything, an A plus. Yeah. It's yeah. it's. It, like I said, I can no longer argue against this team. Mm. Um, they have made themselves inevitable, uh, un, undoubtable this year. Yeah, um, they've gone, they've they've become yeah, it's, it's undeniable. An they're it's an undeniable. They've just been unbelievable all season. So we do apologise to the listeners out there. We didn't get to Green Gully today, but Sorry, we'll get we to will Green get Gully to Green Gully off in the good top time. next week. Don't you worry, we'll be all over Green Gully next week. Um, but it is time for us to say goodbye for another week here on the MPL Victoria pod. Again, as mentioned, we'll be going right through the off-season, uh, bringing to you as much MPL content as possible, special guests along the way. We'll be keeping an eye on the coaching merry-go-round. And, of course, thank you to new Melbourne Knights head coach Ben Khan for chatting to us a little bit earlier today. Um, we're looking forward to seeing what Ben can do at Melbourne Knights next year. They're one of the teams as well to certainly keep an eye on this off-season. Again, we'll be all over that and we'll be over more report cards next week. And on the agenda, we've got the rest of the top six, Green Gully, Bentley, Heidelberg. Get your questions in that you want us to answer as well. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye on the transfers and whatever else happens in all three tiers of MPL football, even in the state leagues, anything exciting that comes across our desk, we'll be jumping on it. But Lockie, anything else you want to add before we head off? No. Um, just just to say uh, thanks as always for watching. And if you've got any questions um, about those uh you know, report cards or you got any questions just for us to answer during the off season, um, please. Yeah. At FNR underscore radio at Lockie Flanagan at Nick DeBano underscore. underscore. That's yeah. where you can send your questions. Oh, you thought I was going to forget the underscore as well. I thought you were. I, thought I know, you Nick. Were. There's more than just one Nick DeBano out there as I've a, learned. You don't make a social media plug unless you know the handles. But Mate, uh, any I... of those, uh, if you've got any questions you want us to answer over the off season, uh, please send them in those directions. Mate, there are more than one Nick Devanos out there, and I learned that a few week, a few months ago that, unfortunately, I don't have the handle. There's actually another account that I made. I've just searched, and I've searched Nick Devano when I was 17 years old, and I need to find a way to shut that account because there's a picture of me as 17. So don't go looking for that. But anyways, guys. There's only one lucky Flanagan fortune. Um, probably good for time the for us, the world. Time for us to say goodbye. We'll be back again next Tuesday. Nick Devano, Lockie Flanagan in studio. Miss any of it. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get them. Like, subscribe, get to it. We'll be back again next Tuesday for plenty more here on the NPL Victoria Pod.